You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has thousands upon thousands of retail locations all over the United States, and they offer great batteries, right? Now, I got a buddy who is kind of a car nut, a truck nut, and he told me that I guess on the research that he's done for car batteries, Interstate Battery car batteries and truck batteries are some of the highest quality, most reliable truck batteries that they have on the market. I don't know anything about it. It's just what my buddy told me. So if you're looking for a new car or truck battery, you need to go to your local retail, uh, interstate battery retail shop and go pick one up because I guess they're badass. So I know I have one in my truck. Other than that, If you have TV remote controls, Interstate Batteries makes a battery for that. They make batteries for your rangefinder, your trail cameras, and basically any other electrical device, for the most part, that you use uh, while hunting or fishing or being outside. They also have a whole bunch of other little knick-knack products, too, like uh, uh, my buddy Dan Spano. Uh, He is uh, a manager for his family's interstate battery retail location he got me some of these cool flashlights that have switches on them one of them looks like a lantern so they have a whole bunch of that stuff too if you want to find out more information about the kind of batteries that interstate batteries makes head on over to interstatebatteries.com or visit your local retail store welcome to the diy sportsman podcast with your hosts, Garrett Prawl and Boudreaux Boswell. So I've definitely talked about layering systems in the past uh, for cold weather. But in this podcast, I wanted to revisit my layering system philosophy in general. You know, it's, it's something that it's not really a problem that needs to be fixed, but there's definitely room for improvement in, in terms of how the typical whitetail hunter will pack in relation to maybe what is more optimal for the style of hunting that we do that especially comes into play when you have more distance to travel. Uh, once you start taking those access routes into, you know, three quarter, the one, the one plus two mile access, it really starts to tip the scales in favor of what I'm going to talk about a little bit more in this podcast. And so as part of this discussion, yeah, I'll go over for sure the, uh, philosophy changes. But then in addition to that, we're also going to get some just overall reviews of what I've been using. So for sure, you're going to hear some stuff about the fleet garments and how I've been layering those and some additional testing that I'm doing with those. And also you're going to get some initial thoughts on both the uh, Sitka Fanatic, the 2019 version for the jacket, and also the First Light Chamberlain jacket, which is a big, you know, real high loft puffy down jacket. And I'll probably also throw in some thoughts about the, um, the sanctuary series from first light and then just kind of how all that stuff fits together. What I like, what I don't like about those things. I've obviously held them all in my hands. Um, and a lot of those garments I've used some much more than others, which I kind of view that type of information as more review. Whereas the stuff that I haven't hunted with a whole lot as of yet, you're going to kind of get my initial overview of thoughts after trying the stuff on, um, and putting some time in the field with them. So, <clears throat> The biggest challenge, the biggest issue that I've had with my layering system in the past, especially as I look at it kind of retrospectively, and especially as of this year where I did a lot more long distance hunts, where I was hunting on several occasions, 
beyond two miles away from the parking lot. Uh, you know, a lot of guys will, will say, yeah, I was, you know, six miles back, four miles back, whatever. Um, usually just as a force of habit, I'll, I'll have my GPS on and making a breadcrumb trail as I go in and out. So typically by the time I get back into where I'm going to hunt and then on the way back to the tree or to the truck, I have a, you know, pretty exacting idea of how many miles I actually traveled in a particular day. And it really just, for me, depends on what I happen to be hunting and where I happen to find sign and, you know, what I'm on to. Some years I end up hunting closer to the road uh, a lot more often than not. And this year wasn't one of those years. This year, I, the sign that I found, and especially when I got into some of those really deep spots, it just was amazing. I just kept going back to it. And so some of these issues that I've been having with the layering systems really came to the forefront. I started to see just how inefficient some of the things I was doing actually were. So the biggest thing is bulk of some of these cold weather garments and also uh, carry weight. The weight is kind of a, maybe a lesser issue just from the standpoint of, you know, if it's an extra, uh, you know, three, four or five pounds, whatever it is, the end of the day, that's not going to kill you. Uh, The bulk is probably in my in my opinion, the thing that's a little bit more, uh, nice to heavy. So when I am packing in camera gear, when I'm packing in all of those extra layers, when I am also packing in three or four climbing sticks, oftentimes four of the late season, because I can get higher with four, obviously, and get into some of that cover after the leaves fall down. It just, I mean, by the time you look at me in a side profile, I got so much bulk on that frame pack that I'm carrying that it's just, it, there, there's a better way for sure. Um, and oftentimes I'd run out of space from the standpoint of I'd have my compression straps in my pack, uh, stretched out so far that oftentimes I, you know, wouldn't even be able to get them clasped and I would have to, you know, take everything back apart and repack just so I can get my, my straps closed, uh, to carry all that stuff in. So most whitetail cold weather tree stand based hunting systems are very similarly designed right? They have a lot of insulation. They may or may or may not be uh, bulky insulation. They're typically not ultralight insulation, you know, in terms of like a high loft, like a down. Um, usually see more things like thinsulate or something like that, where you might be trying to overall um, cut down on the bulk of the garments, factoring in that you're going to have to draw a bow back. But at the same time, those garments might be a little bit denser um, for the amount of insulation that they have. They're going to be a little bit heavier, uh, and that type of thing. But oftentimes the advantage of those type of garment systems is that they're going to be quiet or they should be quiet just based on how we use them. So when I look away from cold weather layering systems for whitetails and what's typically marketed toward whitetail hunters, let's look out West, for example, what are guys the who hunt cold weather out West typically wear? Well, I mean, a lot of times base layers will be similar, right? They're usually wearing some kind of synthetic or merino base layer, high quality stuff that'll wick the moisture away. Um, oftentimes they'll still have the, the heavier garments that time of year. Uh, so they are cutting down on the chill a little bit and they'll have maybe a fleece, uh, over top or some type of an active puffy that has, you know, maybe a synthetic insulation that is a little bit better for active use factoring in that they're going to be typically much more so than the whitetail hunters covering more ground and they're going to have to deal with moisture management more so than the average whitetail hunter is. And then oftentimes when those Western hunters do sit down and pick out a spot that they're going to sit at for, you know, a few hours, they'll pull out a nice lightweight packable puffy jacket and throw it on over the top of everything. So that puffy jacket will usually be, 
either a very lofty synthetic insulation or a high, uh, a high fill power down, which is going to be very compressible, um, very lightweight, very lofty, uh, meaning bulky, uh, depending on just how much downfill is in there. But also those down garments are typically not good when they get wet. They uh, lose their insulation. If they compress, they lose all their insulation. So if you flatten it down by, you know, com compressing it either through leaning against something or sitting on something, or if you have a jacket over the top that's too constricting, that'll cut down on that loft and also cut down on the insulation. Uh, some of the other issues from just a usability standpoint for those pack or those puffy jackets, at least from a whitetail hunter's perspective, is that oftentimes the shell fabric that's used on those garments is a very lightweight fabric, which also tends to be not very durable, and it also tends to be uh, very noisy. Those puffy jackets also tend to not have the best pocket layouts. Uh, they might not have the best hoods, and they really are not made to be uh, active in them at all. And also, well, depending on the puffy, a lot of them are not designed to be totally weather resistant. They might have wind resistance, they might have a DWR treatment, but typically you're not going to find a lightweight puffy jacket that has, you know, like a Gore-Tex outer layer. Uh, it's, just, it's not as common. Uh, and if you probably were to find something like that, it would typically be pretty noisy. Um, the windproofing is generally going to be better on whitetail garments that have like a, you know, like a wind stopper layer or a wind shear layer or whatever proprietary name for a wind blocker that they're going to have than those lightweight puffy jackets, just because of that extra material over the top of the insulation. So then you wonder to yourself, well, why are those Western guys using that type of a system? Well, uh, I believe to the best of my knowledge, some of these Western hunters are also throwing on, you know, like a rain jacket over the top that's sized appropriately to fit over that puffy jacket if they really need the extra wind resistance. Oftentimes if a garment is uh, windproof or excuse me, waterproof, it'll often block the wind pretty well, uh, just as a nature of how densely that fabric needs to be put together. Uh, and then the other thing is just that they're not usually sitting dark to dark out West and not moving. Right. You have a little bit more freedom to, you know, stand up, move around a little bit, stretch. Uh, maybe they're going to be sitting for a couple hours in one location and then hiking another quarter mile through the snow to sit at another location. So having that puffy layer as an outer layer makes a lot of sense because you can very quickly take it off, stuff it back in your pack, uh, get on the road again, cover some miles. And then once you stop to rest again, you pull that thing back out of your pack, put it back on. So there's some advantages there uh, from a Western hunting perspective. But when we look at that, you know, again, from the whitetail guy's eyes, would he want to wear a puffy jacket as an outer layer? Well, maybe not because number one, like we said, oftentimes they're noisy. Uh, the wind resistance may or may not be the greatest, just depending on which, you know, specific, uh, puffy jacket you have. The pocket layout might not be the best. Uh, the hood might not be the best, right? So there's, there's potentially some issues here. What I would propose is that you know, if we have very similar base layer systems to the, the Western guys, um, and if, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you right now, I haven't had any issues with my base layers for years and I've worn Merino wool for a long time. Uh, what I think is maybe even the better option for cold weather is to wear a two piece, um, uh, base layer system, that inner layer being some type of a synthetic or a synthetic blend, just because it wicks that moisture away. It's going to be a little bit more hydrophobic. So it's going to push that moisture directly out into the layers that are over the top of it. 
and then have like a merino wool garment on top of that, as opposed to maybe a merino wool as your next to skin, which, you know, works fine for uh, early season. I've also not really had too many issues with late season, but I think just in terms of overall what's optimal, uh, I believe a synthetic with a, a wool type garment over the top is going to be a little bit better all around total package, just from that standpoint of, you know, really pushing that moisture away from your skin and into that Merino where it's going to absorb some of that moisture, uh, while some of it, the rest of it gets, you know, continued to pushed out, continue to get pushed out further and further into your layering system. And also I think this is where some type of heated vest or heated jacket can also be a really good piece to put in as part of your base layer system. And I really liked using that Numa vest. I mean, I don't always have it on. I like to try and layer myself so that I don't need it, but it's really nice to have if I, you know, do get into one of the situations where I, maybe I did underdress or I'm flying all day. And then the last 15 minutes, it really gets cold. That sun goes down. And I can just pop that heated vest on and it gives me that little bit of extra warmth to get through the end of the day. But as we, as we kind of go out then from, you know, base layers to outer layers, uh, what I'll talk about next is the outer layer. I'll, I'll skip the insulation for now. We'll come back to that. We got the base layer covered. Let's talk about the outer layer. Well, number one, we want it to be quiet. That's a given. Um, fleece is very quiet. It has issues with burrs, uh, but it's, you know, something that a lot of guys will still deal with. Soft shell fabrics tend to be pretty quiet. Um, certain garments that have either windproofing or waterproofing can be noisy. Um, and especially when you get into really, really cold weather, you got to be careful. Some things that are quieter and warmer weather will all of a sudden get very crinkly in cold weather. And oftentimes you might not be able to figure that out until you actually take it out into the field. So quiet is definitely something that we want to look for. Uh, the other thing that we want to look for is good pocket layout and something that is kind of ergonomically advantageous, I want to say for shooting a bow, right? You don't want to have the sleeve be too bulky. You want to have your pockets in the right, uh, right places. So they make sense where you want to have your, uh, your various accessories where you want to have potentially a hand muff. And then also is just kind of a need to have, or very, very, very strongly want to have is a windproof layer, windproof laminate, some type of really strong wind resistance, um, to windproof, uh, type of thing on the exterior of the garment. Some guys will say, yeah, I'll, I'll just wear my, you know, windproof jacket next to my base layers. Then I'll throw on whatever jacket over the top. Well, if the wind is able to push through your insulation, then it's causing convection and moving that air around, which is supposed to be a dead air space. So the more, even if you're like insulation is wind resistant, you're not giving yourself the best uh, potential chance for a positive outcome. If you push that wind blocking to the very exterior of your overall layering system, then that's going to really make sure you get the best use of that dead air space in your insulation in the middle. So kind of going back to, you know, the Western guys, if they have high winds, I think that's why you oftentimes see guys pulling out a, um, you know, like a rain jacket or something like that to put on over the top. And this too is where, you know, for the wind blocking layer, you have to make sure that it's going to be something that's also quiet. Um, and you'll get kind of opposing views on what is or isn't bow hunting quiet, man. I'll tell you, there's been times when I've been shocked at what deer are able to hear. And there's also times that I've been shocked at what I could get away with in terms of noise, even unnatural noise. Um, you know, garments, you know, rubbing against one another 
or cracking limbs, which is a natural noise. Uh, sometimes even clinking metal. Like there's just, I'll, I'll tell you one thing too, like my camera beeps. I have my action cameras. I leave the beeps on so I can confirm that they're actually recording. I don't think I've ever had a deer react to the noise of my camera turning on and leaving on that loud beep. Um, but typically, especially during the late season, when sound carries so far without any real leaves to bounce those sound waves around, I want everything to be as quiet, quiet as I could possibly make it. All right, so we've covered base layers, we've covered outer layer. Now that really leaves kind of that big piece for the internal layer, what makes the most sense? What things work well for insulation? Well, fleece works pretty well for insulation. Uh, thin slate garments work pretty well for insulation. Down garments. I mean, there's a lot of things that can fill this void. But when we think back to what I was talking about earlier with specifically for mobile deer hunters, what makes the most sense here? Well, if I know I'm going to be walking in, and let's, for the sake of argument, say, I got a mile and a half walk to wherever I'm going to go to set up my tree stand or saddle or whatever to, to do a hunt any particular day. I know I'm going to be wearing my base layers. So that means I have insulation and it means I may have a shell and with a garment that's a traditional whitetail hunting type garment, those are going to be the same thing. Your big heavy garments like the, you know, the sanctuary series from first light, like the Fanatic series from Sitka, like the MT-50 stuff from Cabela's. These things have shell materials built into the outside. Um, they're oftentimes designed to have, you know, if, if not some type of windproof membrane, a very densely woven fabric to really cut down and make it more wind resistant, more wind resistant. Uh, and they're going to have that insulation just built right in. So if you pack that layer in, you're basically giving yourself the option to, once you get to the tree, just throw on that one thing. So ease of use, you're saying, Hey, that makes a lot more sense. But the thing you got to remember too, is you also have to carry that thing in. They're way too warm to be able to walk with one of those big, heavy jackets, um, and bibs into the woods. So that means you're basically sentencing yourself to carrying, you know, six to eight pounds, um, depending on which layering system you're going with. And you're also not giving yourself any kind of wind resistance. Base layers in and of themselves do not have good wind blocking uh, abilities. So they're great at managing temperature, great at managing moisture. But if you are walking in and it's, you know, single digits, teens, and you got a, a decent breeze going, that's going to cut right through your base layers and, and just sting, right? So having some kind of shell over the top is then almost a necessity too. So in that type of scenario, you got a mile and a half walk in, it's real chilly. You got some wind, you got this big bulky system on your pack. In addition to your climbing method, in addition to your hunting accessories, in addition to your weapon, uh, if you're filming in addition to your camera gear, and now you also have to bring in an extra shell garment to help block the wind. And oftentimes for pants, I mean, I'm kind of focusing more on the upper body here, but for pants, I would imagine most guys are, are wearing some type of um, you know, a soft shell pant or a stretch nylon pant, uh, or some type of just pant overall, that's going to give them a decent amount of durability. And also oftentimes comes with wind resistance. Uh, it might even be like a fleece that has a wind blocking layer in it. The fleece isn't my favorite for a uh, lower garment for walking in just because it's not going to be as durable as something like a soft shell would be. Um, and you're going to pick up the burrs a lot easier. So it wouldn't be my first choice, but the point is 
you're going to want to have a shell on top of your base layers if you got the cold and you got the wind. And then you also have to carry that extra bulk of the, you know, the big whitetail stand hunting systems. Uh, should I talk about it now? I guess I'll throw it in here too. Um, systems like the IWAM, systems like the um, heater bodysuit. Also, I would kind of lump into this category of you carry the big bulky thing in, the big bulky heavy thing, and then you put it on at the tree. All of these systems are going to work well once you're in the tree. They're just not very efficient when you walk in. So if you separate the shell from the insulation, that allows you to do a couple of things now, right? So this is kind of like hybridizing a little bit what Western hunters would do uh, with what we eventually want to have in the tree as a whitetail hunter. If we separate the shell from the insulation, then we could say, give me a wind blocking thin, maybe like a fleece backed light shell layer that gives me the opportunity to vent. I can wear it directly over my base layers that I'm walking in. Uh, so it's blocking the wind, but it's also not so insulated that it's causing me to sweat on the way in. So I'm able to better manage my pain tolerance walking in and better able to manage my moisture and my temperature walking in. And then I can pack my insulation. And then when I get to the tree, I briefly take that shell off, put the insulation on, put the shell back on, and then I'm ready to hunt. So if we just separate out the insulation now, that gives you the opportunity to uh, pack in one of those lighter, more packable insulation layers, like some of those puffies I was talking about earlier that are oftentimes a lot more popular with Western hunters. And those garments, of course, like the big advantages I was saying about them is they, in comparison to a lot of the whitetail stuff, are much more packable and they're much more lightweight for what they are. They oftentimes lack in the overall shell department, but if you're bringing an extra shell in anyway, it's not that big of a deal. And it's also a lot easier to range exactly how much insulation you need with one of those puffy layers. Right. Like, let's say for instance, um, I am hunting in cold weather, but still kind of mildish temperatures. I can walk in with the base layers. I can walk in with a shell, maybe have that shell vented when I'm walking in. And then I just pop on, you know, like a, a light down vest or a light synthetic vest as my insulation layer, put that shell jacket back on. That works pretty well. But then let's say it's, you know, single digits in a brisk wind. And I'm going to be sitting out there all day. Well, then I'm going to want to throw a nice big, you know, high loft puffy jacket. That's going to give me a lot of insulation underneath and then put that shell back on over top. And that shell, this is important part. It, it's not going to be, you're not going to want to size that shell such that it fits you well when you're just over the base layers, you're going to want it to be loose because you're not going to want to compress that insulation. You want the insulation to maintain its loft underneath that shell. So you're going to want to upsize a little bit. Now let's talk about specific garments and how exactly we could fit that role and that uh, philosophy. So I've been wearing a lot of fleet stuff this year and I'll talk about other stuff too, but I'll talk about the fleet stuff first for, I would say my cold weather system, we're starting with synthetic. So for me, that synthetic thing I put on first is my heated vest, uh, that Numa heated vest. Uh, which obviously is not fleet, it's Numa, but it's a heated vest. I like it a lot. It's synthetic. Uh, and it gives me the opportunity to heat. I like that next to skin. And then I put my alpaca uh, quarters that base layer over the top of that. So a lot of that moisture off my chest, if they, if it is there and I try not to sweat, but if it, you know, does push through that, 
that vapor gets pushed out into the alpaca and the alpaca actually does a little bit better job at uh, being hydrophobic than the merino is my understanding. Um, so it's a little bit better served, I think in cold weather than the merino wool garment would be, but <clears throat> typically that's what I'll wear as my base. And then that phantom jacket is their soft shell jacket and the phantom pants are their soft shell pants. Um, they're both, uh, you know, it's like a, a pretty standard soft shell material. It's very quiet. Uh, it's soft. It's not like a, a fleece finish. I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It feels like a more tightly woven uh, fabric, uh, but it's, it's still pretty quiet. Uh, those garments allow you to vent pretty well. They have big zips along the side of your thighs for the pants. And then on the upper body, they have uh, huge pit zips that go from like, you know, mid arm all the way down to like mid chest. So I can put that jacket on over top of my base layers and vent very well. And I can move pretty quickly without overheating. And then I can pack in my insulation. So now for insulation, I have a couple different options I can throw in there. From Fleet, it would be the, the Phantom Puffy. It's a puffy jacket that is filled with 133 gram Primaloft Gold insulation. And it's got their same camo pattern. It's got a lightweight uh, shell. And that I would basically put inside my pack. It packs up very small, packs into its own hood, packs into, into its own you know pocket pretty easily, uh, weighs 21 ounces, I believe, uh, has a hood. And so I would just pack that in and I would pack in extra bibs. I'll talk about the bibs a little bit later. I want to separate the bibs, uh, for this part of the discussion. Um, but that'll get me into, um, fairly cold weather. If I want to, then also I can stack up, you know, like a light down vest and that phantom puffy, and then put that shell back over the top. Um, and with the sizing, you know, I can fit into a medium phantom puffy jacket. It's a little bit tighter on my shoulders at six foot, about 190. The large fits better, uh, for me personally. And I had the large jacket when I put on the phantom, uh, puffy jacket, I put on that large phantom jacket over the top that works. Uh, but I don't want to put, you know, too much extra underneath that. That's about pushing the limits for, for my sizing. Um, so I actually did also order an XL in that phantom jacket just to be able to see how much more space that gives me underneath and uh, gives me a little bit more room to layer underneath now from just an overall you know kind of weight and optimization standpoint and you're gonna have to take this you know into consideration with how much it's going to cost to buy a whole bunch of different stuff uh, for doing this but in terms of just overall optimization and efficiency if you just have one insulation layer that's usually going to be your most efficient in terms of warmth to weight, right? If I have a down vest that is eight ounces and then I have that, uh, that phantom jacket over the top, that's 21 ounces. And I compare that to like that first light Chamberlain down jacket at 25 ounces, that, uh, Chamberlain down jacket with the amount of fill they put in there is going to be warmer than those two other garments combined, but it's going to weigh less. Uh, so that's something you got to factor in too, right? Like if I want to, um, go the milder temperatures, I might wear just the vest underneath the, the shell. If I wanted to go in moderate temperatures or moderately cold temperatures, I could wear the phantom underneath the shell and I could combine those two things. But what I would prefer to do is just wear the, the heaviest single puffy underneath that shell for the really uh, cold weather. 
and that from just a packing and overall um, efficiency standpoint, weight that I'm carrying in, it makes a big difference in terms of what my pack looks like and how much weight I'm actually carrying on those longer trips. And probably the biggest challenge is, you know, sizing because when you get those, those big garments, those big bulky tree stand garments, where like before I was saying, they're basically a shell and an insulation layer combined. The fitment is a non-issue because the thing is made to work with itself. So if you have a shell jacket and you have a puffy layer that you want to put underneath that, you got to work out the fitment. You don't want to compress that insulation. Um, if you compress it a little bit, it's not going to be the end of the world. But if you compress it a significant amount, it's going to hamper your movement and it's going to lose loft, which is going to uh, take away some of the potential warmth of that uh, puffy garment. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, and if you have the opportunity, you're definitely going to want to try and size things out in the store before you buy just to make sure you have the appropriate room. And if you have the option, it's always a little bit safer to oversize that shell rather than trying to get away with something that's a little bit too tight. I really don't have much negative to say about that Phantom series. The pants are awesome. I don't think I, I can't remember the last time I picked off a burr. They just don't really collect burrs. The venting is great. I like the fact that they vent from basically the hip to the knee, as opposed to the knee all the way down to the ankle. Because oftentimes I'm wearing hip boots or I'm wearing knee boots and having a vent that's a little bit higher up in the hip just makes more sense. Um, and it actually allows me to be able to, to vent appropriately while I have my pants stuffed inside a boot. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, they're very durable. The, the jacket, same thing. I don't get as much use of the jacket just because early season, oftentimes it's, um, it can be too warm to put the jacket on. So I might just wear my base layers early season. Uh, but I, I would still wear the, the pants in those scenarios. And then just depending on, you know, if I need it or not, if it's a, a non-windy day, like when I would, used to pack in my sanctuary all the time, I would just wear my base layers and then put the sanctuary jacket on when I got to the tree. Um, but now as I'm kind of, you know, reevaluating the system, I'm starting to use my phantom jacket more and more. And, and like I mentioned earlier, I ordered an XL as a size up just to, to see if I can really push that and optimize it and see if that XL makes a little bit more sense overall. They also have a phantom vest, which I don't own yet. Um, but just depending on how the sizing thing works out with the jacket, I may return, uh, one of the jackets and get the vest instead. The way that the vest is sized is in such a way that it's a little bit more athletic fit. So it's probably going to be actually better served as a, a layer that's right over your base layers, which doesn't really fit into the whole philosophy thing. Um, but it would allow you to get a little bit more versatile use all season. Um, whereas, you know, in those earlier seasons, you might be able to put that vest over top of your base layers and then get some good pockets, uh, without overheating. And, and even into the late season, allow you to use that, um, that vest as a really good wind blocking layer, uh, over your core and still allow you to vent very well out your arms. So I haven't used the vest, uh, but I have great things to say about the jacket, the pants and the puffy, um, is probably the best value, at least on paper of most any puffy that I know of on the market for the hunting industry. One thing you can do, um, if you're so inclined is you can look at the type of insulation that various, um, garments will use. Uh, and this is a lot easier to do with puffy jackets and compare apples to apples than it is with those heavier jackets, just because there's so many more layers in those. 
with the puffy jackets, you know, you got the thin shell and then you got the insulation. So it's very easy to compare insulations, apples to apples within, um, synthetic insulations. You have companies that make insulation like Prima Loft and there's various different grades of Prima Loft. You have climate shield apex insulation. Um, and there's several more that fit into the synthetic category and, a lot of these manufacturers will publish insulation values that are just standards that are based off of um, thermal ratings that they've taken off of those specific insulations. And so an example of that would be, you know, Primaloft Silver. Primaloft Silver has um, what they would call on the CLO scale a value of 0.79 CLO per uh, yard per square ounce or per ounce per square yard, excuse me. Um, so what that basically is, is just kind of a standard measurement that says, Hey, if you got, you know, five ounces per square yard of fabric weight, if that's, you know, how thick the fabric is that you're, you're working with, if that's how heavy it is per, you know, per area, it's going to give you this much insulation. And a way to think about it too, is kind of like an R value. When you talk about sleeping pads and R value, when you talk about house insulation, it's kind of the same type of deal, this, uh, CLO rating. So if you know the fabric weight and you know, whatever that manufacturer, um, spec is, you can just do a rough calculation for how much insulation is actually in that garment. So for the fleet phantom, it uses Primaloft gold, which is 0.92 CLO per, uh, ounce per yard squared, which is to the best of my knowledge, the highest of any synthetic insulation that's you know, used in clothing, uh, it's on the same scale as like a 650 fill goose down in terms of its warmth per weight. So it's really, it's really good stuff. Um, and it means that you can get more warmth out of a jacket that is not as heavy. It compresses down very well. And the big kicker that gives it a nice advantage over down too, is that, uh, if you wet it out, it's still going to insulate the clove value only drops just a little bit if it gets wet, uh, versus down. Um, especially if it's not treated down it basically just, you know, it really goes down the tube. So when I compare the fleet phantom against a puffy jacket, like the sick, uh, Celsius midi, that Celsius jacket has a hundred grams fabric weight, hundred gram per, uh, per square meter. Whereas the fleet has the 133 gram per square meter fabric weight. So that in and of itself right there, there's more fabric weight in the fleet and the, um, the Sika uses Primaloft silver, which is the 0.79 on that rating scale. And the Phantom is a 0.92. Well, if you multiply the stuff out, what it equates to is that that fleet, the fleet Phantom has about 50% more insulation on paper than like that Celsius MIDI was, would, uh, have, and it's about $50 cheaper retail. Uh, if I look at another garment, like the, um, the Uncompagre jacket from first light, same type of thing. That Uncompagre jacket has like a hundred gram insulation in the body and 60 gram in the sleeves. So even if it was also Primalov gold, it would have less insulation. And I don't know exactly how their insulation compares because they just, you know, basically say it's the 37.5 by Kokona. And I haven't been able to find any specs on what that actually is, but I can pretty well assume it's probably not going to be as good as Primalov gold. Uh, otherwise it would advertise it as such. So in terms of overall warmth, um, you know, I think that's a really, really great value for that puppy jacket at 200 bucks. Um, and oftentimes it'll have sales around the holidays too.
So the only downside maybe I could say at this point um, is just with that jacket, the hood maybe isn't the greatest layout. You have to, I think, to get full functionality out of that hood, you, you got to wear a hat that has a bill, and then you can kind of cinch the uh, the hood around the bill, and then the hood moves with your head. Uh, but if you're not wearing a hat that has a bill, um, when you turn your head, you'll tend to have the issue where you, you know, you turn and you just see the side of the hood. Whereas some of those garments, like the uh, the first light one, has the turret hood system that works a little bit better at cinching around the top of your head, uh, so it moves with you. And then, of course, there's no hood on um, the Sika. Um, and there's, there's obviously a lot more brands. I'm just going to speak about the ones that I've been, you know, kind of investigating and playing around with the most. Um, so you can just kind of take these comparison points and extrapolating them out and, you know, trying to see how they compare to other things you might be interested in, because I won't be able to cover everything for sure. Um, and I probably shouldn't be covering everything just because I might misspeak, uh, if there's something I don't know a whole lot about. On that same rating scale uh, for the Clo, if you look at high fill power down, like 800, 850 plus, I've seen values at like 1.6 Clo per uh, ounce per square yard. So vastly higher, right? It just skyrockets above anything that's synthetic. So if you have one of those high loft, um, really high quality down jackets, the warm to rate, weight ratio is really, really good. You just have to make sure you're not compressing it with your sizing in your outer garment. So when I do a little bit of math and make some conversions, that Chamberlain puffy down jacket from first light is significantly warmer on paper than the, uh, the fleet, which is significantly warmer on paper than some of those other synthetic puffy jackets, right? So what I actually did on my computer is I made a spreadsheet that took a lot of, you know, common insulations, common weights of those fabrics that are using these garments and just overall jackets that are out in the market in this category of, you know, that lightweight packable insulation. And I calculated out based on the fabric weight and what, you know, insulation that they used about how much insulation I should expect to see in that insulation layer. And then I'm able to look at that chart and say, okay, here's how I can kind of tear this out. And if, you know, I have the need for this much insulation, then I'll wear this puffy underneath my shell. If it's a little bit colder, then I might need to wear this puffy. Um, and the only ones that I own right now, like I mentioned earlier, I have the fleet puffy. That's going to be kind of my middle of the road option. That first light Chamberlain, uh, is going to be my super cold, you know, heavyweight option. And the lightweight option is kind of just that down vest. Uh, so <clears throat> those things, if you look at the you know price of all of them, um, it does add up, right? This, this layering system that I'm referring to now definitely is not cheap. You're going to be better off. Um, if you're on a budget, um, just packing in the extra bulk, packing in the extra weight, um, with one of those all in one type systems, or I'll throw this out as another option too, uh, would be if you wanted to try this type of thing, going to places like, uh, Sierra trading post, going to places, um, like REI with a scratch and dent sale, or if they just have big sales in general, uh, here in Minneapolis, a lot of the outdoor, um, branded clothing has like, they have like thrift stores basically just for, um, the mountaineering, you know, style of, of, uh, brands. So you can find some really good deals on packable puffy style, style jackets, at some of those places that might not be camo. They might have, uh, really bright colors. Uh, but if you're wearing a shell over the top, then really you just need to make sure you find a good shell. Uh, put that over the top of whatever you're going to be use, using for your insulation. 
Uh, for the Shell 2, some equivalent uh, options. Uh, like I mentioned before, I like the Fleet Phantom. Uh, I like the fact that it's got the vents. Um, it's got the, the pocket layout that I like. Um, if I were to pick a different one, just off the top of my head, from the things I've tried around, the uh, Sika Stratus seems like it would fit that bill very well as uh, also. It's got a removable hood. Um, it's a lightweight jacket. Has kind of a fleece brushed finish to help cut down on the noise a little bit. And it's got that Gore Infinium windstopper layer. So that is definitely going to be a good option for, you know, cutting down the chill if you need it as a shell to be worn in over your base layers um, or just sized appropriately so that it fits over your insulation layers. For me, um, just based on the size charts on the, uh, that Sika Stratus, it would be like a XL that would fit best over most of those packable insulation layers. Um, for the fleet, the Phantom works well over the large, you know, so the large over the large works well, the large over the medium works well for my body size. Um, it works well over that down vest, but if I put the Chamberlain down jacket from first light on underneath, it's, it's definitely undersized. Uh, I would need to step up in shell size on the fleet scale to be able to fit over that big puffy down jacket. So that's one of the reasons too, why I ordered the XL to see if I could fit that in. That Sika Stratus is significantly more expensive. I, I think that one's over $300 retail. Um, I, so again, one of the reasons that Phantom jacket from fleet is like 150 and I'm sure you can find lower priced options as well. Um, that are outside of the brands that I'm discussing and throwing around right now. Um, again, this is not me saying you guys need to order X, Y, or Z to be able to achieve these needs. It's more like, here's the, the philosophy. If you want to try this route, um, here's some of the things to look for. And then you can kind of apply within the deals you're able to find and you know your price range and, and that type of thing. Let's come back to the bibs now. So for the longest time I've been using those sanctuary bibs for first light, they're really nice. They are fairly heavy. I think they weigh like 60 ounces for just the bibs. But surprisingly, they do pack down pretty well. When you, when you roll them up, you know, fold the thing in half like a hot dog and then start at the um, the ankles basically and just roll that thing up like a ranger roll and then take the straps and um, cinch everything down tight. They do they do compress more than I would have thought they would have compressed. Um, so that's nice. They're just kind of, you know, like a little football at that point um, in terms of how they, they pack down. Maybe a little bit bigger than a football, but you get the point. Um, some, some layers like the uh, first light fanatic I'll, I'll pick pick on because of that Berber exterior layer, those bibs do not pack down well, nearly as well as the, either the first light sanctuary bibs. Um, although they are lighter, I believe they're a little bit lighter, but they don't pack down nearly as well. Um, and then compared to something that I would say is probably even higher end, uh, the sick incinerator bibs, those pack down very nice. Um, a little bit better than the first light sanctuaries. And they also have the, um, the blend of synthetic insulation, the Primaloft silver, and also a goose down. So they pack down nice and they have the Gore-Tex waterproof, windproof, um, laminate built into the exterior. So that in terms of just this system that I'm building and how I'm describing it is kind of the same, but also kind of different. It's, it's kind of a, a mix, whereas it's combining the insulation. It's also combining the shell, but 
it's just making that whole system as lightweight and packable as you can get it. The challenge with trying to adopt the exact same system on the bottom, as I was describing on the top for the last, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, is that when you try to just have an oversized shell on the bottom, um, that baggy shell can be a little bit more difficult to walk in. And I'll just be honest. I don't like taking my pants off to be able to put on insulation layers over my, uh, my, you know, Merino long johns and then putting those pants back on when it's cold and there's snow on the ground. I just, I don't want to deal with it. I would much rather just walk in with my nice, you know, burr free soft shell pants and boots, get to my tree, uh, pull out the bibs from the pack and just put those bibs on and be done with it. And then put on some, uh, boot covers over my boots and then throw on that puffy jacket, put the shell back on over the top and then, um, just hunt that way. You know, obviously put the accessories on, hat, gloves, muff, that type of thing. And that is kind of the, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, it's about the best that I've been able to come up with. It's more expensive to be able to layer up that way. Um, it takes a little bit more getting used to. The sizing is a lot more critical. So there's some downsides to it. But if you're really trying to push the limits of what you're able to pack in the small volume of space as you you know, get later in the season and you have to, space becomes a lot more valuable. That's definitely a good way to do it. You know, I would really like to see, I'd be interested in one of two things. Number one, if somebody made a bib that had, you know, the wind blocker, it had the good pocket layout, it was quiet. You know, the incinerator's kind of noisy, gets kind of crinkly in cold weather. Um, and if it had for insulation, something like a big thick layer of Primalov gold, uh, or if it had a higher fill power down, like any, you know, 800, 850 plus granted, I might not be able to afford it at that point. Um, but that would be a way to get that same bib type of garment, potentially be able to pack down, um, and maybe even weigh even less. You might be able to get, you know, a two, two and a half pound bib that's even warmer than what's already out there, which would be very intriguing. So, you could apply that same philosophy to something like the heater bodysuit, um, IWAM, warm bag. I don't think they make the warm bag anymore. I think there's a blizzard buddy now. Arctic Shield also makes one. Those things, I think for the most part, they often use like thin slate and like a windstopper layer and then like a fleece in the exterior. And you roll that thing up and it's like a Coleman sleeping bag. And the way, I don't even know, like what, five, six pounds. It's like if they made a, a garment like that, that had, you know, high loft goose down, or it had one of these high end synthetic insulations, you could have that thing serve the exact same purpose that it's already serving, but you could probably have it packed down significantly smaller. Um, and you could probably also have it be much lighter. So those guys that are basically adopting the strategy of walking in and their base layers are just something light and then putting on one of those big body suits as they get to the tree. Um, that could work still the same way that they're used to, but it would just be a little bit, you know, more efficient for them to walk in with. So I think cost is probably the most prohibitive thing. I think the market would probably be pretty small for the amount of people that would jump at buying, you know, a six or $700 version of one of those, you know, warming body suits. Um, but just, you know, for my curiosity and how my mind works, I think it would be really curious or interesting to see something come out like that. And throughout most of this podcast so far, I've been, kind of dumping on things like the, uh, um, the bigger jackets, like the MT 50 series from Cabela's, you know, maybe the ambush from uh, predator would fall into that category. 
the first light sanctuary, the, uh, um, the new fanatic jacket. Look, I've, I've used that sanctuary jacket for quite a while and I've used the Woodbury jacket, uh, before that, uh, which didn't have quite as much insulation. They work great once you're up in the tree, right? The only issue I ever had with things like that was that, you know, there's just, I wanted something less bulky and I didn't want to have to carry the weight in if I didn't have to. Um, I did in my, you know, quest of, of trying this, uh, shell plus packable insulation, uh, in order to get more money to buy some more of that stuff, I sold off some of the, the heavier stuff that I did have. I sold my Woodbury. Uh, I sold my sanctuary jacket, uh, to fund some of the other purchases. Um, and then I also found a really good deal on, uh, one of those sick, uh, uh, left-handed, uh, new fanatic jackets for 2019. Um, which totally flies in the face of that whole philosophy I was just talking about. But I, I just was really curious to see, um, how that thing would function in the tree, how much I actually would like it. And I wanted to have a fallback option in case some of this packable insulation stuff, uh, didn't end up, didn't end up working out as well as I would have hoped. So I can give you guys some initial impressions on that jacket in particular. Um, there's no hood. So if you're a hood guy, um, just keep that in mind. It's intended to be used basically with a beanie plus a face mask uh, or a balaclava or something like that. Um, it works pretty well with that type of, type of a uh, setup. It's also made such that, you know, without that hood, they have that safety harness pass through that disconnects. So you can basically work the jacket around the straps. So you don't have to disconnect the uh, safety harness to be able to get that pass through to, to work, which is you know, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm actually surprised that more garments don't follow suit because if you think about it, a lot of guys are probably, you know, disconnecting to be able to put on, um, additional jackets over top of their safety harness once they're up in the tree. Um, I know I'll, I'll be honest. I did that, um, a few times back when I used to hunt out of tree stands more. Um, and I would just basically, you know, either hook up the lineman's belt, um, or if I felt stable enough would just, you know, basically, uh, put the jacket on, unclip, feed the, the safety harness pass through, through and reclip back in before, you know, ever, you know, sitting up or standing up or doing anything else that would, you know, potentially cause me to fall. Um, or you just get dressed at the base of the tree and just climb up with all your stuff on, which I imagine is probably what some other guys do too, to get around that issue. Uh, but I thought it was cool that they added it. Um, the muff in the front that's built in that big kangaroo pocket, um, next to the side zip is really nice. Uh, they put the little zipper for the hand warmer pouch behind what appears to be the fleece and the windstopper layer, which I think makes a lot of sense. I hate it when you get a muff and the zipper for the hand warmer is like outside of the insulation and all that heat from the hand warmer, more of it escapes out into the ambient air than actually goes into the insulation inside the muff. Uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Whenever I have muffs like that, I'll just throw the hot hands packs right into the muff with my hands. But the, uh, that first light or that, excuse me, that Sika muff in the front, there's a lot of insulation in it. Um, it feels really nice in your hands. I was standing outside, um, in negative 10 wind chills yesterday, messing around with some tree climbing stuff in the backyard and, uh, with bare hands, it, you know, it only took a few seconds for my hands to start stinging and I would put those, those hands uh, without any gloves and that muff. And it was nice. Um, really am a, a fan of just how nice it feels. I, I think with that jacket, I don't believe I would have the need to wear an additional exterior muff. The overall bulk of the jacket is 
you know, it's, especially because of that Berber, it's very bulky. It does not pack down well. That's probably the big, biggest disadvantage that I have with that jacket in particular, uh, what it's on your body. Um, it's also bulky, but it doesn't get in the way of shooting your bow too bad, uh, especially because they removed the Berber on the inside of your draw elbow and they removed the Berber on the, uh, the, basically your bow arm side. So you're not going to have to deal with string slap as much. When I was uh, practicing in the tree with my traditional bow, uh, it did seem like the jacket flap um, may interfere just ever so slightly, but not in such a way that it really affects the shot, um, like a light brush, which, you know, for me, inside of 20 yards, it's not going to make much of a difference. Um, so I wasn't too concerned about that. Um, I, I guess to put it one way, I'd rather be warm for six hours um, than to have a little bit less bulk and be cold um, in that particular scenario. Um, but the, the 2019 one, that flap, uh, because that jacket is kind of so unique in the fact that it has the side zip and it goes up to basically one side of your chin. On the older jackets, it was my understanding that that flap would oftentimes get in the way of your shot. And now they have a magnet that basically holds it down against your shoulder. So it's not supposed to get in the way as much. Uh, I would say with the compound, I don't think it would get in the way at all. With the longer string angle on my traditional bows, it's close to getting in the way. Um, but it could it definitely could be worse. I, I think it's about as good as as good as it could get. Um, and just the warmth uh, with that jacket. Like I said, I mean, I, I'll put it on over a t-shirt when I was working outside yesterday and it, it just absolutely cut the wind down to nothing. I couldn't feel that wind coming through at all. Um, the insulation felt great. I haven't put several hours on motionless, right? That's still the kind of the ultimate test. I need to, you know, maybe this weekend I'll be able to get out. We're supposed to get some really cold weather this weekend. And then I can, you know, kind of say for sure, but just initial impressions. I think the thing is laid out very well to be very warm. Some people are saying that the 2019 Fanatic is supposed to be warmer than the incinerator. Um, I don't have both to compare. Um, but they said that it used to be that the incinerator was warmer and then they added some insulation as part of the upgrades for the 2019 and now it's supposed to be warmer. Uh, so I guess I'll have to take their word for it and just kind of pass that on to you guys. Um, pocket layout seems to be okay for what I would personally use it for. Um, the only thing I could really maybe see myself putting in that big front pocket is maybe a light pair of binoculars uh, or a rangefinder. Um, probably more likely to be a, a rangefinder. Uh, I don't usually wear a, put a grunt call in my jacket pocket. If I have a grunt call, it's usually hanging on my lanyard around the tree or uh, I guess my utility strap around the tree. So I wouldn't use it too much for that. Um, but just kind of overall from the comfort, uh, the mobility that I have with it, the fact that I won't have to wear as much insulation underneath, the kangaroo uh, pouch on the front, and just kind of the little magnetic stuff, just the little features that they thought out. Um, Despite the fact that it's a very expensive jacket, I, I really do, I do like it a lot. Um, it's a very well thought out jacket. And I think that if it weren't for um, me trying to also go down this route of trying to pick a shell and it's laid underneath, um, I think in the tree, it's a fantastic option. So I don't have any qualms about recommending that thing so far based on what I've seen with that jacket. Again, Time will tell if I have any issues with it. Um, the biggest downside, like I mentioned before, it's not very packable. Uh, it's going to take up 
just a ton of room inside my pack. So most likely I would be strapping it to the exterior of the pack. So that's definitely a downside. So if I was carrying that jacket, um, it would be lashed to the outside of my pack and I might have to wear additional shell to break the wind because I'm not wearing the fanatic on the walk-in. Whereas the alternative is I wear a shell and then I throw in a, a puffy jacket inside my pack that takes up a quarter of the space, weighs half as much, um, and could keep me similarly as warm. So that's the trade-off. Um, and, and of course the price, uh, it's, it's spendy, that jacket. But, you know, hopefully this overall, you know, this podcast has gotten, got kind of long. Hopefully this gives you guys an idea of other alternatives to being able to layer, especially when it comes to mobile hunting in particular, when you're going long distances with cold weather and it truly is a hurry up and wait. And you have two totally different type of needs when you're either moving and when you're stationary for several hours. So if you guys have any questions, um, or if you've kind of gone down the similar path that I have uh, in the past and you have additional learnings, maybe things that have helped you out when you've tried to wear a puffy jacket underneath of a shell, um, just different things you've learned along the way. I'd love to hear it. Send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or you know anything like that. That'll do it for this episode. As always, make sure to follow the Sportsman's Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Leave us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for additional content from Bobby Boswell or myself, subscribe to DIY Sportsman and Boudreaux Boswell on YouTube. And with that, thanks for listening. <laughs>